0: We love you guys. We love our online audience. I love the fact that my wife is sitting in the front just holding our baby boy that I can say for the first time. I love that she's here. I don't necessarily love what she's wearing. I'm a let's go Mets all day, every day. So it's kind of difficult for me. And we've had some challenging conversations because, I mean, we're going to have a baby boy. And she likes the Yankees. I like the Mets. And, and we've already started talking about what our baby boy is going to wear. And, and I'm feeling a certain way because she's already threatened me with the Yankee gear. And I told her, I mean, maybe like the days that she's over at your parents' house, she can wear that. But in our house, me and my house. I'm not going to finish that. Amen. We've heard some very, very, very good sermons concerning the chosen. How many of you have actually started watching it since we started preaching this series? It's an amazing, amazing free series. I believe you could find it on at, at different streaming um, platforms. And I believe Pastor Roe preached on Peter. What was the, the, the sermon title? Let, let's test you guys. Pastor Rowe is watching. I don't think I got this. My wife would. My wife, the, the, the one on the enneagram says, I don't think I got this. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Rowe's sermon preaching on Peter and how he had to kind of surrender um, everything that he thought he got? Uh, Mike preached last week, right? I am Mike, M-Y-K-E, I believe he spells it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, He talked about his name change at Starbucks, and he shared with us concerning Mary, and I I think it was an awesome sermon. The only thing that wasn't so awesome about Mike's sermon is that until that Sunday, I had been preparing a sermon on Mary, and and I come in here, and I'm excited, and I share it with Pastor Roe, and he's like, man, that's going to be good. And I believe I talked to Ruben about certain notes that I was going to share. And I was sharing it with my wife. And I was like, I love Mary. And I was debating at that moment between Mary and Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus' scenes were were lit, right? Like I saw Nicodemus' scenes. I'm like, oh my God, all this kingdom stuff. That's right down my lane. That's what I love to preach about. And I think Mike made my decision easier by preaching on Mary. So today I'll be preaching on a man named Nicodemus. And I'm going to be preaching under the theme Lost in Translation. Have any of you ever been in a conversation and in the midst of all that it was kind of lost, something was lost in translation? Um, It usually happens a lot more now than in the past because now everything is via text. And any of you ever get a text from someone and you add emotions to it? There's no angry emoji. There's no smiling emoji. It's just your interpretation or translation of that text message. And you get this text message and you're like, yo, like she got some nerve. Right? Oh, 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 I can't believe he just said that. And he didn't really say anything. Like they text it and you add your translation to it. Right? And I looked up the definition for lost in translation. And the Urban Dictionary, the only dictionary that we use at Kuhau, um, says... (laughs) Is it means to become a different message than the original through the changes of another language during translation, right? And, and if you've been here enough times during team rallies, we usually play this game where someone is told a message at the beginning of the line, and they have to try to maintain the same message all the way to the end. And I believe the times that I've been here, we haven't done it once. Am I correct? Has it ever happened? Like never. It never happens that the same message that began is the same message that we end with. So I I use this example because I think that God had an original message that he released to humankind in the beginning that has been lost in translation. Man was given a message in the Garden of Eden, and man allowed a different voice to intrude and to come into the Garden of Eden. And all of a sudden, that original message was twisted. And I believe that in the next garden that we find of of significance in the Bible and Scripture, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus came to reclaim the message that had been lost in the first garden. So when God said, when he's praying to the Lord and he says, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. He says, but not my will, but your will be done. And, and, and what I believe happened when Jesus prayed this, the original message that God intended for humankind was reclaimed. See, because in the Garden of Eden, God told man something that we're going to talk about a little further, that it was lost in translation. And I believe in 2022, it's more lost than it's ever been. Because the Christian church, unfortunately, we become a church of fads, And we've become a group that if this group is preaching it, and enough enough churches are preaching it, then it must be good. So we got to preach it too, right? And sometimes we turn on the TV or we hear different preachers from different places. So we're getting different messages. And what we end up having is a bunch of people coming to church but not understanding what's supposed to be going on Monday through Saturday. And not understanding the reason for which we've been called. And I preached this morning. The only way to rediscover what we lost in translation is to ask questions. And I believe that this morning, because I feel it in my spirit, there's a couple of us that are asking ourselves, why am I here? And why did God choose me? Now why did God choose the preacher? Now why did God choose Emily? Now why did God choose the keyboard player? Now why did God choose Amanda? Now why did God choose Steve? Now why did God choose Pastor Jones? Why did God choose me? Why did he save me? See, because I think about my cousin that I lost just last year from a drug overdose. And I think about the fact that everywhere that I was, he was. And I think about the fact that we was in the same environment around the same people dealing with the same issues, fighting the same struggles. Yet he died from an overdose just last year. And I'm here preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God before you today. Why is it that God chose me? Why is it that you've gone through what you've gone through and been able to come out on the other side? Why is it Why is it that your heart has been broken time after time after time, but yet this morning it was still beating? Why is it that you've been confused, you've been busted, you've been disgusted, you've been going through so many different things, but you still find a way to make it every Sunday to come and worship the Lord and praying that God would speak to you? I believe that this afternoon God brought you to Christ's uncensored house of worship to give you the word that you've been looking for. The word that you've been leading, the word that's going to get you back in the right direction. I'm going to try my hardest to do what we call double-barrel preaching. And it's preaching where we're preaching to the church, but then preaching to the unchurched as well. And I believe that this is a message that can reach anybody if we're willing to ask the right questions. Voltaire said, judge a man by his questions rather than by his answers. Gandhi said, the power to question is the basis of all human progress. And this last quote I really love, and it's by Gary Keller. He wrote a great book called One Thing. And he says, life is a question, and how we live it is our answer. I got to say that again. Life is a question, and how we live it is our answer. So I want you guys to look at each one another and look within yourself and ask yourself this morning, like, why did I, why did I, and why do I come to church? And what did you come seeking? I want you to ask that, and the reason that I pause here is because I think it's important for us to understand. Because if we're here this, uh, this afternoon, it's not because we're better than others. It's not because we're more deser- deserving than others. Wow, well, I was going to say that in Spanish and English mixed in one. It's not because, it's because he chose us. And we're watching a series called The Chosen, and in the middle of a series called The Chosen, because we believe that since the foundations of the world, God had a plan, and within that plan was the necessity to choose everyone in these seats this morning, everyone that's viewing us online, and to choose me to be able to deliver this message. Everything that is going on right now, God already had ordained since the foundations of the world, and now we're coming into figuring out what. It was, And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we're living in this moment. We're living in this time and we're doing what we're doing. And I always say, what a time to be alive. What a time to know God. What a time to know Jesus. What a time to be able to say, God can use me to turn it around. What the politicians can't turn around. What a lot of our leaders cannot turn around. God has called us to turn around. How many of you would agree there's things that need to turn around in our families? There's things that need to turn around where we work. There's things that need to turn around in our own personal lives. There's things that need to turn around in our finances. And a lot of times we're waiting for God to send an email. We're waiting to God to send a dove with an answer. And God is saying, no, no, no. When I saved you, I put within you my spirit. I put within you my kingdom. And that kingdom has given you authority to bind on earth whatever you need bound and to loose from heaven whatever you need loosed the authority is already within you man i promised myself i was going to teach and not get excited to look at the person next to you and say you are chosen and i hope you had to say it to someone you're not getting along with hallelujah <laughs> but first peter chapter two verse nine and ten In the message translation, it says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. Oh, How many of you can thank Jesus this afternoon that we went from rejected to accepted, from nothing to something, from broken to healed, from poor to prosperous, from sick to whole. How many of you can thank God for his finished work on the cross of Calvary? Oh, I love me some Jesus. And I love the fact that he chose me. How many of you truly believe he chose you? Right? Sometimes it's confusing because even the chosen go through things. Sometimes it's confusing because even the chosen cry. Sometimes it's confusing because even the chosen bleed. Sometimes it's confusing because even the chosen feel like they're alone. Am I preaching to anybody this afternoon? See, but what we do know is what Paul says about the chosen in Romans 8.30. Paul says, and having chosen them, and having chosen you, and having chosen me, he called us to himself. And having called us, he gave us right standing with himself. And having given us right standing, he gave us glory. He gave you glory. I'm going to say that over and over again. He gave you glory. He gave you glory. He gave, there's nobody sitting over there. He gave us glory. And, And so the question becomes... Do we feel like we're seeing glory? I feel like we got to be honest. There's so many times that we say things, right? We see somebody and we know they just lost their son. And we're like, how are you? Oh, I'm in victory. Hallelujah. Glory. You just lost your kid. Glory. Hmm. I feel like I got your attention. Dallas Jenkins, the creator of the series The Chosen, when talking about the episode between Jesus and Nicodemus, Dallas Jenkins, the producer, the author, the one that created this stuff, he says, this is the scene. And when he talks about Nicodemus and Jesus talking on the roof, how many of you remember the scene? He said, this is the scene. He said, the most impactful and famous chapter in all the Bible. I believe I'm I'm a prophetic kid. Because my birthday is March 16, which is 316. So if you know John 316, right, it's one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. Although I'm going to flip that verse on its head today because I found something that I think is going to be of interest to you guys. But, but, but he goes on to say this is not only the gospel captured accurately, but the historical context, personal context, and, and human context is what's it's set up by the previous six chapters. In other words, everything else that you saw in The Chosen was just to lead us to this conversation. What if everything God has done in your life to this moment is to lead you to hear this conversation? What if everything you've been going through was just to get our attention so that we can take heed to this conversation? What if everybody we've lost or we think we've lost was just to bring us to this moment, to pay attention to the one that is always in our corner, the one who said he will never leave us and never forsake us, the one that has promised that he will be there to the very end. What if everything has happened to bring us to this moment? I say all that to begin today's sermon. We're going to go to John chapter 3. And it says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. See, look at the person next to you, say Nico. Nico. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. So he was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. He was a what? And a what? In other words, he wasn't like a normal person, right? He wasn't like your normal Joe. Like this, this guy had weight, this guy had some 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 importance within his community. It said he was a Pharisee and he was a ruler of the Jews. And it says that this man came to Jesus by night. In other words, he did it in secret. And 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 while a lot of preachers, a lot of teachers emphasize on the fact that maybe Nicodemus was a coward, maybe Nicodemus just wanted to hide the reality, I flipped that and focused on Jesus, who no matter where Nicodemus wanted to meet him, he was willing to meet him. In other words, if it was in a roof, he was going to meet him in a roof. If it's in a basement, he was going to meet him in a basement. And the same thing can be said with us. I met Jesus high, tabbed up, if you're not from that generation, tabs were acid. I, I, was, I was all jacked up on my kitchen table reading a Bible that they had given me in the hospital. And, but I, but I, on that table, in that condition, I met Jesus. In other words, I don't care where you are today. I don't care the situation you might find yourself in. There is a God in heaven who is willing to step down into your mess to meet with you. So he met with them at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. See, most of us would have heard that and wrote a book. Oh, right? Like we would have got, yeah, he's talking about me. Like I'm that guy. right? Like I'm that dude. Like I'm the guy he's talking about. Everybody knows about me. See, but Jesus went to, the, he went to what was needed. So when he answers Nicodemus, he doesn't say, yeah, I'm that guy. He says, no, no. He says, truly, truly, I say to you unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It seems like it just doesn't make sense. Like why would Jesus answer him, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God after Nicodemus said all this. But could it be that what Jesus was saying is, you see all that that you said about me, how no one can be with God unless he, no one, him all these things that you're hearing can be said about you you can do miracles you can walk on water you can heal the sick you can give sight to the blind you can move in power but in order to see that you got to be born again but he didn't stop there because then Nicodemus of course says to him what many of us would have said to him yo how am I gonna grow back in my mama Like, I don't get this, Lord. I don't get what you mean by being born again. How can I go back into my mom? That's impossible. To which Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Look at the language. First he says, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom. But then he says, if you're not born of water and of the spirit, you can't enter into the kingdom. Because it's one thing to see the kingdom. It's another thing to enter the kingdom. It's one thing to talk about what God did. It's another thing to talk about what God is doing. It's one thing to talk about the God that used to do. It's another thing to talk about what God is currently doing. How many of you want would rather be in the group that says, this is what God is doing. This is how God is moving. This is what God did yesterday. This is what God did this morning. But he says, if you want to be in that group, you got to be born of water and of the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. But you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. In other words, do. Sorry to interrupt your regularly scheduled program. Because that's what happens when Jesus comes into your life. All of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of changes. All of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of, of, of things that God says, no, no, I'm going to interrupt this. Because this relationship doesn't serve you. No, 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 I'm going to interrupt this. Because this conversation doesn't serve you. No, 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 I'm going to interrupt this. Because the purposes and the plans that I have for you are so great and so awesome that I don't want anything at all to disrupt it. Then he says, for God so loved the world. Can y'all say this? I think y'all know it by heart, right? For God so loved the world. Keep going. Man, I thought y'all was going to say that with some joy. With some excitement. With some hope. Like, that was kind of sad. Just keeping it real. Can we try again? Like, if we think Jesus loves us, like, let's try this again. We're going to edit this somehow. For God so loved the world. Yes. Woo, give yourselves a round of applause. That was much better. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. If you saw this series, Nicodemus ends up having three conversations, three main conversations. But it all begins with a woman named Mary. I like horror movies. Some of y'all judging me like hard right now. How can a preacher like movies about demons? But there's one movie I should have gotten her face and just plastered it. There's one movie that really messed me up. Like she was like this and her head turned this way. What movie am I talking about? Exorcist. We're talking about exorcist in church, y'all. Don't worry. I'm, I'm going to leave here quickly. <laughs> but in the, in the series, The Chosen, there's like an exorcist type scene. Nicodemus goes with all his religious clothing... He goes with his little incense thing. And he goes with all the little verses that he had remembered. And he goes into this room where, what was her name before Mary? Lilith. Which, by the way, for Jewish, tra- for Jewish translators of, the, of not scripture but of, of their Torah, Lilith is the name of a demon. So she's given the name of a demon and, and Nicodemus gets close to her. And she says these words to her. You have no power here, teacher. And when you look at her face, she's scary. She, she has that hole in the Blair type feel, right? She's like, you have no power here. So the, Nicodemus finds himself in the midst of three different questions in the series, The Chosen. The first question or the first person he questions is himself. Why couldn't I cast this demon out? Why did this person tell me you have no power here? Some of us might have heard the same type of questions. Maybe we're not the same demonic type feel. But but some of us sometimes get from people, you haven't changed. You're still the same. You have no power here. Who do you think you're better than us to come here and tell us how to live? You think you're better than us? Maybe that's just me. Can y'all help me if some of you have gotten some of these same things? Right? She, she hears this thing. You have no power here. So quickly Nicodemus realizes that you can't overcome slavery with slavery. You can't overcome darkness with more darkness. And I love how Martin Luther King said it, right? He said, you can't overcome darkness with darkness. Only light can overcome that. So when Jesus comes into this basement, well, I'm not Jesus. When Nicodemus comes into this basement full of darkness, because listen to me, darkness isn't necessarily demon activity. Darkness is ignorance. When we're ignorant of our authority, and ignorant doesn't mean, oh man, he just called me dumb. No, it just means you don't know. And when there's things that we don't know, unfortunately, the things that we don't know overpower us. But Jesus didn't call us to be overpowered. Jesus didn't call us to a life of defeat. Jesus didn't call us to a life of pain and misery. Jesus said, "You, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that you would have life and have it more abundantly. So Nicodemus, when he encounters this woman, and he's not able to give her the salvation that she was seeking, he's not able to help her. He began to question himself. Why couldn't I help her? And maybe you're here this afternoon and you're asking the same question. I've come to Jesus a year ago. Why haven't I been able to help my family? Why haven't I been able to to, to do things? I'm, I'm still not seeing your power, Lord. I pray that this sermon would help you today. What in our lives could be demonstrating powerlessness? Because that was the first question that Nicodemus found himself with. But then, because Nicodemus was Nicodemus, he found himself. He said, if I have questions, there's only one way to get questions answered. I got to ask people. So he, tra- he started looking for people. Who can I ask why this woman was not free? And the first person, thank God, he was able to find, he looked at a roof. And he was like, hold up. That woman on that roof looks like the woman that I saw in the basement except now she's not groveling, now she doesn't look demon-possessed, now she looks peaceful, now she looks happy, now she looks complete, now she looks whole. And I pray that that's what people see in us when they look at us, that they're like, oh man, that person don't look the same. He don't look bitter. He don't look resentful. He don't look angry. He looks kind of happy right now. He looks kind of joyful. Oh my gosh, he just smiled. I never saw that before. That's how Nicodemus was when he He saw that woman on the roof. So he chased her. And he says, he says, what did I do to heal you? Because isn't this like religion? Religion will look at you sometimes and put you like if you were a project. And after a year, they're like, look what we did. No, baby. It's not what you did. It's what he did. He's the one that set me free. He's the one that loved me to this point, right? So, so he looks at Mary and Mary goes, wait a minute. um, You didn't do anything. And he's like, but, but you're healed now. And she said, yeah. Because I met a man. She said, I met a man. And Nicodemus was like, wait, what's his name? She said, I don't know. I don't know his name. All that I know is that I was one way before him and I'm a different person after him. She wasn't able to say, he's Jehovah Jireh. She wasn't able to sing all the songs we sing in church. She wasn't able to tell you the 66 books of the Bible. She wasn't able to, she didn't have time for none of that. All she knew is that she was bound. She was demon possessed. She she couldn't live a life that she wanted to live. But after she met this man who looked at her and said, Mary, all of a sudden she was free to be the person she was always created to be nicodemus received this answer when he asked mary mary what authority did this for you that man that man there's so many people that hide from church and the reason they're hiding from church is because they're like now if i go to church man that building gonna fall and some people come, not, but I don't know anything about God, so I don't want to come. But you don't need to know anything. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus, that he doesn't even want you to know anything because he wants to reveal himself to you in your own personal way, in your own personal language, concerning your own personal situation. That's the Jesus that we serve. He found another man. They, what they called him, Creepy John? What was his name? Creepy John. John the Baptist. Peter called him Creepy John throughout the whole Chose, Chosen series. So, so he finds him some Creepy John who hadn't seen the dentist in like a lot of years. Never really brushed his teeth because all he ate was bugs. Y- y'all looked at his teeth, right? I wasn't the only one. The guy was a mess. But anyway, Creepy John, he asked Creepy John. He was like, you know, I, th- there's something going on. There's healings going on in Staten Island. There's salvation going on in Staten Island. And I don't know how to explain it. And John looks at him and he says, John tells him, Make straight the way, make straight the way for the king and prepare the way. And Nico, Nico kept asking him. And John the Baptist looks at him and he says, it has begun. And, he, and John the Baptist tells him, all your life you have been asleep. He has come to awaken the earth. But some do not want to be awakened. They are in love with the dark. And then he looks at Nicodemus and he says, I wonder which one you'll be. And I want to look at you with that same passion and say, some, he came to awaken us to all that we are. He came to awaken the kingdom of God within us. He came to awaken the power of God in our lives and in our homes. But, but are you the type that's not willing to come into his light? Nicodemus wasn't satisfied. So then he tells Mary, Mary, you got to set up a one-on-one. You got to set up a one-on-one. So Jesus meets with Nicodemus on a roof. So the third person he questions is Jesus. First he questions himself. Then he questions Mary and John. But now he questions Jesus. And I love what Tim Mackey says. Tim Mackey says, if I had to boil everything down to Jesus' essence or teaching, what would it be? And his answer was kingdom. When Jesus came, he came to establish the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he came to recapture what Adam had lost. And Adam didn't lose a church. Adam didn't lose religion. Adam didn't lose any of that. What Adam had lost was his authority as an image bearer. He lost his authority of being the image and likeness of God here on earth. And if we're honest with ourselves, some of us will maybe, maybe, just maybe, we're here to them we're saying man I've been serving the Lord and I'm singing these songs but Lord i want to see your favor in the land of the living Lord i want to lay my hands on the sick and I want to see them be healed Lord when I bring someone to church I want them to be touched by your spirit in such a way that when they leave home they leave wrecked for eternity and never to be the same again Lord i want you to use me is there anyone that that wants wants to be the one that the Lord uses. I want God to use me, man. Like, like I know what my life has been. I know how many people I've heard along the way. I know the lies I've said. I know the people I've betrayed. I know the hearts that I've broken. I know the the, the lives that I've, I've shaken and I'm like no I don't want to be that person anymore. I want you to use me to heal the brokenhearted. I want you to use me to bring marriages together. I want you to use me to tell the church that the latter will be greater than the former. Use me to Tell the church that you've been called for what I has not seen nor ear heard. God wants to use you guys. He has such a divine purpose in your life. He has an assignment that only you can accomplish. But he loves you so much that he's like, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. And we're going to do this together. How many of you are ready to, to go on this adventure with the Lord? If, if we're going to go on this adventure, listen to me. When he says, he says, you must be born of water and of the spirit. I thought about this. And, and, and I said, where did I see water in the spirit before? And I started thinking. And, and, and I'm nosy like that, right? So when I start, my brain starts flowing, I'm going to find an answer somewhere. And I said, wait, when he was creating everything the first time, the Bible says that there was water over the face of the deep, and that the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And then he said, let there be light, and there was light And some of y'all just skip right over. They're like, ah, whatever, okay, there was light, cool. But, But the interesting thing about the fact that the first thing that he said, let there be light and there was light, is that the sun and the moon and all that was created a few days later. What light was he talking about? See, what Jesus was talking about in John that Moses was talking about way back in Genesis is that there was going to be a new creation, that you had to be born again of water and the Spirit as originally occurred, and what would give birth to you would be the light of Christ arising with you. So God this afternoon is saying, "Let let there be light in you. Let there be light in you. Let there be light in you so that i could keep creating what i need to create in your life how many of you are ready for this sort of adventure he's creating a new creation in us in us any of you like used to get mad at some things that no longer get you mad and you're like like yo am i a punk like what's good like this ain't me like, like I wouldn't let people talk to me like that before. Like, like like what's good with that? Like, like we get crazy. Like, yo. Like, I wish he would. And I would, like, man. Like, like he might. And I don't know how I'm going to react. Like, I'll be telling people now, like, I get beat up today. Because I don't have that anger that fueled the way I, what I used to do before. Like, like, I don't know how I would react. If, I mean, maybe I know, like, but... My wife looking at me like you lying, babe. Yeah. I'm hoping that I will react differently, but I know that things that got me mad before no longer get me mad, right? Like like Instagram posts. I could care less if you bash me on Instagram. I mean, a me like Instagram doesn't pay my bills. I said I don't care. By the way, <laughs> like oh, he's talking in tongues. No, that wasn't tongues. I was Spanish. <laughs> but if we keep reading look in john chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 the bible says and and this is a different translation but look what it says this you see is how much god loved the world enough to give his only special son so that whoever believes in him should not be lost but should share in the life of god's new age well in other words God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we can share in his life today in his life in his water walking life in in, in his in his never having a need life in his loving his enemies type life in his overcoming all obstacles type life in him being cr- in his crucified betrayed lied about gossiped about on the cross type and resurrecting on the third day type life in other words God is saying I died I sent my son for you and he resurrected for you so that when things come your way that feel a certain way you can understand that you are called to live the resurrected type life in other words if I have died with Christ I have died with Christ. Paul said, I have died with Christ. And it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives his life inside of me. The only way we're going to shake Staten Island for the kingdom of God is if we all get up and say, I, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I can't hate you because Christ lives in me. I can't lie about you because Christ lives in me. I can't live a life that'll make you question God because God lives in me I can't live this double type tippy toe type Christianity because God lives in me I want to pray I was praying this morning I'm like God bring somebody that we can pray over and see you heal them and see you wreck them and see you love them and see you save them and see you change their life so that Staten Island could have a different story to tell Oh, Ephesians says this. Be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you. As your new life and life union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And now you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Holiness. You are a new creation. And if you haven't made that decision today, I'm here to tell you that Jesus said, I came so that you would have an opportunity to come into me and be a part of me. But you have to allow me to be a part of you. There's this last scene. Did you, did you guys put the picture? Where Nicodemus shows up. And how many of you remember this? When, when he left Jesus some money and he said, you know, this will be good. But Jesus had invited Nicodemus to follow him. Jesus invited Nicodemus to follow him. But Nicodemus' wife wasn't hearing it. She was like, I love my life. I love what I do. I love being this person. We're not leaving this. And Jesus took the money and he said, this was left for me by a friend. And then Jesus looks up and he said, you were so close. He said, you were so close. And Nicodemus starts crying. But I could imagine that Jesus was more broken than Nicodemus was. Because Nicodemus, like this was the corner. All he had to do was go this way. And he would have led into a life that would have changed his life forever. (sighs) But he was satisfied with just being close enough. I believe this morning that I came to tell somebody that Jesus wants you to come closer. Jesus is inviting you closer to an adventure with him. Can I promise you it'll be like a path of roses? Nah. I can't. I can't promise you it'll never rain on your life. But I could promise you that if it rains He'll be the umbrella that covers you from the storm. He'll be with you. And he'll use you in a way like you could have never dreamed before. Listen to me. I grew up in a home full of domestic violence. My mom and my dad split up at age nine. I started using, drinking, smoking at the age of 11 start hustling because I didn't want to ask my mother for money to buy my stuff at the age of 12. I dropped out of school three times. I got my bachelor's in freshmanology. Because I dropped out three times. I went to high school three years and three years in a row I dropped out. But God. But God. But it wasn't anything I did. It was just that I knew I knew I had to stay close. Stay close. Can we stand this afternoon?